yeah. I love my HBCU. And Bob, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. Yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay a Cavill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is back on assignment. I hate to tell it on the brother. <laughs> but show play of 1876 Sports and Culture had his 50th birthday party. Joe Clay, he's an engineer. He's doing well. One of those measures that you know when you have a big old house and you got a pool in the backyard. Right? Those are components so usually that you do it pretty well. Right? In this society. You know, at least mm. what we Let's put it that way. Um, I said, throw him out there. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so uh, his family's doing well. So, she, his wife really does it up for him. He, I mean, backyard. He, you feel like you're in the islands the way they didn't put everything together. You know, three things he says he loves Prayer View, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity, Epsilon Gamma Iota. For those that don't know about Epsilon Gamma Iota, that is an engineering fraternity in Sorority, right? At Prayer View. So, anyway, Mike shows up at the park. Mike has a good time. I'll leave it at that. No said. No said. No said. He said he ain't got no voice. <laughs> so I'm like, don't worry about it, Mike. Three but days later. He is traveling, so he is acting on assignment. But man had so much fun, he lost his voice. We all need that sometimes, but that's just another example of those epic. Caribbean and party. Charles has seen a couple of them, so he can testify that they're not, not bad. They're not bad. For that. A good time will be had by all, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the business. Welcome to episode 274 of Inside HBCU Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture. HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to Casey Wade for 30 a.m. studio with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, that's multi-Hall of Famer, Ralph, Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Big things, big things. I will say yes. I, I know all this about Mike. I attended the party, but you see, I'm well. I'm here. Every time. Right? So it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I can't put that on me. I also want to shout out Kyle Miller. Um, he brought Brian Fulford. You know, that's Brian Fulford of one half of the Brian and AD Sports Wrap right here at Black College Sports Network. Um, they gave me a chance to do their show talking about uh, some of the comments in regards to the last favorite eight. Um, article that ad wrote told you he's going in a deep dive he came on the show and kind of touched on it uh but it gave me a chance to give some insights on APR. obviously we had a great dialogue a lot of time so if you hadn't seen that go check that out i want to thank them for giving me that platform and to share my perspective on some things uh kyle miller did the same thing over there at houston community college hot college media summer sports workshop they had for students and a lot of folks in the media sphere community college and universities around the country. They had Mo Carter on, Fox 54, as you know, Matt Tritton, play-by-play, uh, play, uh, were on giving some updates. And they brought myself on and Brian to talk about NIL. So that will be up on the YouTube spirit, so you can get in there if you want some different perspectives of NIL and how it continues to reverberate around our society. So I kind of wanted to share that a little bit before we get into some of this news. I believe we'll have a show, great show for us today. We plan on having an interview, so we're going to tag along and stretch it out a little bit and give some other perspectives of folks that cover 
uh, HBC Sports and get into some dialogue and maybe a little bit of debate. We'll see if we can make that work. Dialogue, whichever side of the fence you want to get on. But today's episode of Inside HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THD Agency, LLC. THD Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. So with that being said, we told you a little bit about today's episode, but let me go to Charles and see what's on his mind with some of the hot news and what's his take of today. I got one. I want to see which direction you go into first. Well, you know, uh, I think we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but I, I got my copy of uh, Sports Illustrated, Doc, uh, of course, with, with the guys on the front. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Prime. Yeah, we do brothers on the same page. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So I definitely. Wait till I guess and give him a little love, but I, I don't blame. I couldn't wait to either. I found that I saw that with Deuce. Deuce got his copy, so he all excited about swag Jackson State. I said, "Hey, don't but say, boy." <laughs> it's early now. It's early now. Watch that. Watch that. Baseball. No they got a pretty good baseball program, but we'll see. You know, between y'all and Southern on the baseball side, I get nervous real fast. But he picked up the Jackie Robinson, so he's still into his baseball. He wanted the Jackie nice. Robinson 50th anniversary magazine, so I was cool with that. Got into that. Got my FCS edition of the. Um, with Lindy Sports with their poll ranking. So we might see, a little bit I'm, I'm looking for that one. That one was hard to find. I have to go out and go take a look for that one. So I definitely tune in on those publications that actually shed light on the FCS program. So I definitely want to uh, keep an eye out for that. But a lot of stuff going on today. I think the big news that hit today, Dr. Cavill, was uh, Alabama a and They're in the news today. Is uh, Director of Athletics Brian Hicks announced uh, that he is stepping down to assume uh, the role of Senior Associate Commissioner for Promotions and Strategic Partnerships with the SWAC. So uh, Brian Hicks uh, will now be former Athletic Director at Alabama A&M. So Alabama A&M, they are in the business for looking for a new AD to head that uh, athletics program. First, congratulations to Brian Hicks and um, his promotion in a lot of ways, you go from an institution to a setting. Many people would see that as a promotion, um, but certainly in terms of promotion and strategic partnerships, people have always talked about strategies with the SWAC um, and their strategic plans. It'll be interesting to see how to maneuver and help uh, Dr. Charles McCullough and the rest of the um, individuals with the SWAC office. So it's fascinating. But then the uh, second part of the question comes up, but let me give you some quotes uh, from Dr. Daniel Williams, the current president of Alabama A&M. Brian has been an outstanding leader for Alabama A&M athletics in his decade of service to the institution. He has helped to elevate our profile at all levels while always keeping our primary reason for being here, our students at the forefront of all that he has done. He will continue to part of the Bulldog family as he transitions to the SWAC office. I, I hear wink, wink, I guess. This is a <laughs> tremendous opportunity to continue to serve both our students, athletes, and our institution alike. I said, man, president just got in there. He already asked for some support in the SWAC office. Hey, man. Make sure we get out. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. Um, Hicks was saying that uh, I'm grateful to Commissioner Dr. Charles McCullough. Uh, for that opportunity, I'm looking forward to helping him make his vision of the SWAC, the best Division One conference in the country, a reality. Also, Cord is saying at the same time, I'm forever grateful to Dr. Andrew Eugenia, I should say, Jr., and Dr. Williams, our coach, administrator, staffs, undoubtedly the best student athletes in all the world for their support for helping AM continue to grow and reach unprecedented heights. Uh, pretty good, pretty good there. So now the question I got to ask you. Which direction does Alabama A&M go? Do they poach from the SWAT? I guess that's the term that people like to use now. Mm. Or do they go outside of that, stay within the D1 uh, framework and bring somebody in? Um, do they elevate the individual? Mm -hmm. You've seen well, a couple of folks that have done that in terms of that. Or do they go like the Division II route, maybe and get somebody to move up to Division One that is familiar? Uh, leading the program. Any thoughts in terms of where they might go right now? 
That's an interesting question because I think we've seen institutions go uh, a myriad of routes uh, in terms of uh, finding uh, qualified uh, individuals. Uh, we, we just saw that with Mississippi Valley State, who's a uh, young man, Hakeem McClellan, who was an alum of Mississippi Valley State, familiar with the culture. It'll be interesting to see if Alabama AM goes with someone of the same ilk or if they look outside of Alabama AM. Uh, uh, for someone with a, a different sort of skill set. We've seen that happen with uh, Howard University and things of that nature. So uh, these AD searches uh, have become quite fascinating to me. And, and we've talked about it on this program quite often. There are a lot of young guns are in, in administrative positions now uh, who are chomping at the bit for their opportunity. So uh, it will be real interesting to see where Alabama a &M takes this search and, and uh, we'll see what Alabama a &M does with, uh, with regards to the athletics program. And I, I, I'm very curious, that is a very interesting uh, athletics program. I think we've seen them on the come up, especially with football, uh, Connell Maynard in terms of the hire there. And uh, they won a SWAT championship on the football side of things. Very uh, good women's basketball program. Uh, we've seen them make some strides as, as far as baseball. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Great points, great points at all. As we are getting ready for our guest, I know he's coming in, so we'll get into our breaking on normal time and bring it in and get everybody ready for that. But as we're doing that in our opening segment, I told you Lindy's FCS top 25, you know, I delivered my top 25 and credit to Kyle Mosley, just give him a shout out in terms of, as he broke down Dr. Ville's 2022 HBCU pre football rankings, had his thoughts on processes, but he put it out there and said, hey, Dr. Ville did what he did. I like that. Along with you, Charles, that's pretty good when folks say, make sure. So FCS <laughs> top 25, though, I had number one, South Carolina State. Mm. South Carolina State does not get any love from Lindy's in the FCS top 25. Interesting. I, I thought that was fascinating in terms of the MEAC. So they're not in here, but in terms of the SWAC, SWAC does have two representatives. They're in the top 20, one just outside of the top 10, which is Jackson State. It says Deion Sanders' quarterback son, Shador, led JSU to SWAC title. We're humbled in the celebration bowl. Then they got number 18, Florida AM. Rattlers reach SCS playoffs, but spring lost linebacker uh, Isaiah Land to transfer stings. But obviously, we know now that while he entered in the portal, he decided to come back. So yeah. it'd be interesting if they were maybe slightly higher. if. They didn't have that. So that's pretty good when you have two teams, top 15, uh, top 20, um, one just outside of the top 10 below that, which creates more momentum in terms of that matchup. So you got, in terms of my poll, a two versus three first weekend coming out of the box in a conference matchup. Yeah. FCS top 25, at least according to Lindy's, you have a top 15 matchup with number 12 versus number 18. Fascinating when you look at all these different variables of what that looks like. Obviously, FAMU may drop a little bit outside of that if they can't get it done against North Carolina uh, in that opening week matchup they have there. But you would think they'd probably stay in the top 25 even with um, that loss if they do a weekly update in terms of that. But that's going to be fascinating when you talk about what's going on here. Any thoughts on the FCS top 25? I will say, obviously, as a non-HBC, you have North Dakota State um, at number one spot, third FCS title for Mets. Hints would put him behind only Jim Trestle, mentor Chris Kleiman in terms of being able to set that done. So those are some of your things in there. Um, in terms of the OVC, um, who you have in the OVC in here? Uh, don't have Tennessee State. I guess you have UT Martin, OBC is the only one listed in top 25 at 22. In terms of the Colonial Athletic Association, top program they have is the top 10 team in Villanova at number nine. Mm. They have a couple more teams in there. And out of the Big South, nope, and T. Uh, but you have, what is that? Anybody out at the top? Mm -mm -mm. I don't see the Big South represented in here. Maybe I'm just looking over it, but we'll take a deeper dive. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it cements the fact 
uh, that the SWAC East is one of the premier sides in terms of all of HBC football. Anytime you're getting that preseason love from the national publications, that Orange Blossom Classic, um, I go out on a limb now and think that that'll go ahead and be a sellout. I think that's going to be uh, pretty much for all the marbles again in the SWAC East. Uh, you're talking about two dominant programs, and then let us not forget new coach at Alabama State, Alabama A&M. You mentioned you have them very high. They'll be right in the mix. So the SWAC East is going to be so scary this upcoming football season. Yes, we're going fast. Let's take our break and bring our first guest in here. We'll be right back after this quick break. Before we get in break, tough, another tough lose for North Carolina A&T. Uh, we will talk about the fact they had those All-Americans, which is a big to-do. But during that, lose one of the All-Americans, Randall Ross Jr., who will join his father at Tennessee. Most of us thought that was far going conclusion, but now it's been stated. So we'll put that in there. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break to get into some further talks on our interview. One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, uh, yes, sir, yes, sir. And pay attention, boy, because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab. We have Mr. Kyle Moses. He is How the you doing? managing editor and reporter for the HBCU Legends and Saints News Work on Sports. Illustrated fans nation channel since 2019. Obviously, you've seen him with the HBCU legends with Sports Illustrated, mostly talented, many other accolades. Morehouse alone for yeah. y'all that don't realize that you know, you Morehouse man, you know how they talk. The whole the <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, oh, oh, yeah, we gotta make sure to let him know we got an Omega man in the house. No, 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 I'm not Omega, not Omega. My dad was, but not Omega. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, we get this started. These folks, you know, they get a little crazy on that, but we're not gonna blame that on you. It's a good thing because you know, you got alphas around here, so we don't want no, we don't want no oh. starting no stuff anyway. Yeah, 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 <laughs> black and old gold. Yeah, well, look, one of the best <laughs> alphas there ever here. was, right here. Dr. I King. see him back there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, man, I'm not mad. You know, you know, you know, you're gonna find a way to bring it back to the house. 
got to, got to, man. Got to always be about the house, man. I mean, that's that's where uh, we get everything from. I have to always tell Steve White and Jim Trotter that, you know, they kind of threw Howard out there. Howard, Howard, Howard. I'm saying, look, man, we give y'all the jobs. <laughs> now that's the intellectual banter I want to see. Now that's HBCU. That's, that's, that's a comeback. Right. Intellect. That's what I'm talking about. Talk yeah. about that a little bit. Uh, what about the Morehouse uh, Howard matchup? What are your thoughts on it? Oh, man. Uh, I think it's going to be more competitive this season. You know, um, when I was in school, <laughs> we would get beat down by Howard all the time. <laughs> so uh, it, it was more like we went up to D.C. to have a good time. We knew we weren't going to win the game. It was about having a good time. So uh, now to have that classic where in New York and have uh, a lot of uh, focus on the two institutions, one of uh, or two of the greatest historically black colleges and universities out there, I, I, I love it, man. I think it's going to be good for Morehouse because I, I think they're starting to put together a pretty good uh, squad. You know, I don't know if they're on the level of Howard at this time, but uh, it should be more competitive than before. That should be fascinating uh, to be open for everybody. Everybody is our channel and our real knows that there is the difference in terms of scholarships between the FCS Division II level. So that's where some of that uh, angst may come from. Before I pass it over to Charles, I did want to open it up for those that may not know. I kind of touched on a couple of things, but tell a little bit of the people a little bit about yourself and how you got into um, writing, journalism, and things of that nature. I, look, I'm a reluctant writer, number one, and I want to be able to tell you guys that I did not want to write at all, man. Um, wow. Look, I'm born and raised in New Orleans, and in New Orleans, it's all about HBCUs, it's about that connection between them, the city. Uh, I lived less than a mile and a half away from Dillard University, where my grandmother attended, my mother attended. My dad went to Southern, my godparents went to Gramlin, my aunts, uncles, they went to Gramlin and Straight College. You ever, you heard about Straight before, you know yeah. what that is? Uh, that's the, uh, before it became Dillard, right? So I have a, uh, a rich background in HBCUs. My, also that same grandmother who uh, graduated from Dillard, she attained her master's from Atlanta University uh, then she went on to NYU and get this, she came back to New Orleans and she she was a social worker at a Jewish community center. Go figure, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, look, HBCUs has always been in my blood. I told Doug Williams I never would forget and forgive him what he did to Southern uh, at the first Bayou Classic where he just passed the ball all up and down the field in Tulane Stadium, man. <laughs> I was, I think I was probably seven or eight at that time, just crying, just bawling, <laughs> you know, watching him do it. But uh, yeah, it, look, I told him that story and I'm, I remind him every time, but uh, I tell you, it, my family was about HBCUs and, you know, sports. And my cousin was a part of that first, Southern team that finally defeated Eddie Robinson in the Bayou Classic. Matter of fact, uh, Kenny Times, you may know him, Doc. Uh, he went on to play professional ball, San Francisco 49ers, uh, Tampa Bay Bandits. Uh, he played alongside Reggie White at Memphis, Showboats and those guys. Uh, he led the uh, USFL at that time in uh, sacks one year. So uh, we have had tradition of supporting being out there going to the games going to Gramley, going to southern watching the football games and just being a part of the whole mix um now going forward now here i am i'm living in houston and uh always had my roots in the bayou so to speak and um i always felt there was something missing you know, uh, so I started Saints News Network because I didn't see anybody like me other than John DeShazer at that time for the Times-Picayune writing about the New Orleans Saints. So I started it to be able to give 
the fans other perspectives, other nice. news sources uh, about what's going on with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, then uh, I think Danny Clark was the Saints player in 2010, if I'm not, yeah, in 2010. And his representatives contacted me to see if I wanted to do a interview and write a story. I said, well, I heard about this new thing called podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> Think about that. 2010, it was the, in its infancy. So yep, that's right. I said, well, let me go and uh, let's have him on next week and let's do a podcast. It was horrible, Doc. <laughs> it was just <laughs> terrible, man. It was, look, I had to, you know, today everything's digital. Yep, Back then, yep. you had to make it from analog to digital, and I was snap, crackling, popping all through. The, 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 the interview was terrible, man. But Danny, uh, I got to give him credit, he came back. He came back the next week and the following week, and we had uh, a segment called Hanging Out with Danny Clark, you know? Uh, but uh -huh. it, that's how I got introduced into the broadcasting side, because I wanted to do it. I didn't see nobody like me doing it. So mm -hmm. I started Saints News Network. And uh, the next year, we had two shows, myself, as well as my friend from high school, who was very popular with people. Uh, and I started the Professor Speaks. That's, that was his show, Catering to the Saints, as well, on Friday nights. Then uh, we evolved it to the NFL Huddle. That was a fantasy show. Then we evolved it to... Uh, the Saints Angels, which was all female show at that Ooh. time. And then right. we evolved it to uh, in the coaches uh, from the coach's office with Rick Gailey, who was a well-known uh, coach of East James uh, High School. And he was, I mean, he was my mentor and he really taught a lot about the game. So we had five shows concurrently. And that was the first time in Louisiana that I know probably Across the nation that african-american was the executive producer and publisher of a content on on the web as well as being able to host five concurrent podcasts and setting up a network of our kind and we did it for a number of years and we kept on going uh i think back in 2019 we got a a message from a guy from Sports Illustrated. I thought it was a joke at first. I'll be honest, Charles. I was like, man, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's this guy contacting me saying, I want to be able to bring you guys on? So I had a conversation with Mark Patterson, who which was a New Orleans Saints player at one time. He also played for the Raiders. And Mark mm. was building up what we know now as Fan Nation for mm. Sports Illustrated. And he invited us to join and I recruited a team of guys and we were one of the most diverse teams out there still. Uh, you have African-American, Hispanic, Asian. We have a female, first female black writer. And she also writes for the Pelicans too. That's Dr. Carla Antoine. And we also have uh, Caucasian guys, you know, so I have a mix of guys, uh, just like a good gumbo of what you want to have a good spice and flavor for uh, content for the New Orleans Saints. But uh, also I approached Sports Illustrated because I knew HBCUs needed some representation. Mm. And mm -hmm. uh, at first it was some pushback. Then they took my idea and talked to Tali car <laughs> those guys at game day they tried to bring them on to the fold and i think tolly was uh considering it but they decided to, to do something different and um the rest is history they say hey kyle let's roll with it uh a week before the games were supposed to start let's build <laughs> that's how i did it and the rest is history and a year later here we are Wow, man, fascinating story there. Let me let Charles jump in here with the follow-up. Quick one if we can, then we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side and build into some, some of your actual articles so we can get into some dialogue and maybe some 
Good well, debate. Well, See how well you did with those teams. Go ahead, Troy. <laughs> hey, and before we start, let me say it's a pleasure to have you on, Kyle. Uh, you know how the godfather, uh, Ralph Cooper, our mentor, uh, yeah. he, he texted me. He said, uh, when you were in Jackson, hey, be sure you holler at this guy. And yeah. I wanted to <laughs> make sure that I, I brought that to the forefront. But I, I think you went into the, the story in terms of uh, uh, Fan Nation and, and HBCUs, how, how that kind of came about, because I was always curious uh, Sports Illustrated kind of they 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 kind of shifted and kind of took a turn towards looking at HBCUs, and I was just curious how did that you know kind of come about? And you kind of talked a little bit about it. Okay, so you see me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you had to get the straight face with that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 Doc, you you know how that is when. We, okay, all right, <laughs> l- l- let's talk. We fam, let's talk. So um, that's right. That's right. <clears throat> Major news sources won't do anything unless they see the potential of profit, right? So during the spring games, I know how to build websites and that's uh, one of the skills I picked up over the years. So I had to first show them that there was going to be a need and interest in HBCUs. So I built HBCU legends. First, I had the interview with Doug Williams and James Shaq Harris. I built the website, hosted that, and then the spring games came on for the SWAT. And then I started doing some reporting on it, and the interest gained and rock, you know, and they saw the numbers when I presented them the Google Analytics. Hey, this is what's from just two months. And that helped. They lost their mind and they was like, oh, really? (laughs) No, no, it it became, oh, this could be something, right? So Mm -hmm. they went dark on me, man. And they went dark. And that's when I found out they approached Tali and uh, game day and those guys. And uh, which didn't hurt my feelings. What it did was it, solidified my conviction right. and and made me really really know that we were on to something mm, you know right. and um then when they came back and said hey man uh we like it can you partner with these guys or whatever and tolly and i had a talk great talk but they were going a different direction now and they had to respect that i said look they're not going to be on board <laughs> I'm gonna build this and you want me to do it? You know, I've done it before, let's roll. <laughs> and then that's how it was, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but, you know, I gotta give Mark Patterson a lot of credit and he just won the Emmy, man. It, this guy climbed all mm-hmm. the seven uh, peaks in the world. Uh, Mount Everest was his last one he conquered. And uh, wow. that was last year, matter of fact. And he just won an Emmy for that with the NFL Network. but. Very few people would have given somebody of color that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and right. he's given me that opportunity. And and it's not too many of us being represented like we should be represented. You know, there's Wilton Jackson. You guys know? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's quite a few since Wilton has been there for uh, the while he's been there. But uh, I think we need to do more. Yeah, I'm really big on that, and I'm glad that you stayed the course. Shout out to Tyler Carr in regards Mm -hmm. to moving in the direction he did for whatever reason, um, because it made sure that you had the space necessary to do what you're doing. Um, And so shout out to all those involved. With that, let's take our first break and get back into it. We'll get back into dialogue, and we'll make this a little more uh, involved as we get into some of your articles Uh-oh. that a lot of people have been excited about and we'll get some dialogue to see where this came from and what Charles thinks about this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Maybe I'll get my thoughts on this. She'll right back after this question. <laughs> oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. 
can I use that full car play to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot of So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention because he gon' teach a This is Dr. Camille of Inside the HBC Sports Lab with none other than Kyle T. Mosley, Sports Illustrated as HBCU Legends. Uh, yeah. As he's built it and told you the story there. One of the art- articles that has caught a lot of people's emotion, which is what a really good article does in various different ways. And anytime you can create a ranking system, uh, I think it's really exciting because people, one, will not necessarily agree or agree with your rankings. And then it gets interesting when you really break down how you did it. Uh, well, he has the top 10 of these top 10 most powerful HBCU football coaches. And it's always interesting. Now, how do you define power? Well, he did a great job in terms of at least explaining to you why and how he did it. So ranking of one of four straightforward uh, breakdown there. Uh, then a little more until what he said, five and six FCS top tens. Uh, but let me just give them to you real quick. At number 10 is Dawson Owens of Norfolk State. Number nine, Gabe Gardini of Albany State over there in the SIEC. Everybody knows Norfolk State, hopefully in the MEAC. Quentin Morgan. I like the idea. Quentin Morgan, a lot of folks that are fascinated in maybe one of the four other HBCUs that participate in football, obviously the fifth one with Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, but Langston is NIE, so they don't necessarily get the coverage that you might think about, but you got Quentin Morgan, number seven, Fred McNair, number six, Damon Wilson. Formerly of Bowie State, now Morgan State, recently taken over that job. Number five, Hugh Jackson, Graham State, Tennessee State Offensive Coordinator. Number four, Eric Dooley, Southern University of Prairie View in 2021. Number three, Willie Simmons, Florida AM. Number two, Buddy Hugh, South Carolina State. Number one, Deion Sanders, Jackson State. One of the things somebody asked me, uh, Prairie View guy, to be specific, saying, you know, what does it say about our coach? Why our coach not in there? One of the things that I looked at quickly, I said, Everybody on this list has been part of a championship, either as a head coach or a coordinator. Was I mm. right on that, or was that something that I just pulled out that may have been? No, uh, you know, uh, how do I say it, Doc? Yeah, you, you're right on target when it comes to that. But there had some other variables, man. So I wanted to be able to kind of break it down. Uh, by the conferences, uh, the coaching staffs okay. that they have, uh, the postseason, if they were in a postseason as well. Uh, also looked at the strength of the conference, 
because you can't equate SIAC to SWAC or MEAC. Uh, mm -hmm. I also looked at the recruiting classes that they currently had, uh, the media influence. Now, a lot of people that's say, hey, one. you know, that's um, what does that have to do with a, a head coach? Well, today, if you, if you don't understand, you power. Yeah. that's about power, right? Nick Saban has a lot of weight in what he says to a media, right? You saw the pushback that he received after the ludicrous comment he made. Um, and as well as Deion Sanders has a lot of power, does he not? And uh, so I had to weight that as a possibility. And also look at the fan base influence and the attendance. And I use attendance. Jackson State's attendance is phenomenal in the FCS. And uh, to be consistent year in, year out, doing what they're doing has a lot to do with the type of uh, draw the fans have, not only to the program, but you have to have a coach that can be able to help market the team. So yeah. that's one of the factors that I used as well. Well, you know, Sports Illustrated agrees with you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I was, now, I'm kind of I'm kind of salty them? about that one, uh, Doc. Either they brought in uh, some outside help on that one. They had to get uh, the big dog, Jock, <laughs> to come do that. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. they they heard from me on that one. I know where the little work is. They heard from me on that. You'll get your your time is coming, and you getting you getting some of this love right here, so you are gonna get it. Charles, right. let me ask you, in terms of this top 10, any concerns you have, uh, disagreements? Where, where are you in terms of this top 10? Because I had you know, some reservation, Hugh Jackson, and then I remembered you go back a little bit about his pro coordinators, uh, certainly at UAC, USC in terms of championship runs. So that's when it hit me. I was like, damn, all these folks been champions. What about I'm, yourself? I'm curious about the personalities. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, we, we all know Coach Sanders, Coach Prime, a gregarious personality. You talk about media influence. But an individual like uh, South Carolina State's head coach, Buddy Pugh, who uh, isn't boisterous or, or, or anything like that, but uh, how does he exude uh, his, his influence? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, he has the respect of people. If you – what he did in those press conferences, and I watched him, Charles – Remember mm -hmm. from the press conferences, uh, Coach Sanders kind of dominated the press conferences, but Coach Pugh stayed true to who he is, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even after the game, he was who he was. But if you learned something about the South Carolina State program, you learned that the character and the respect that people around the the country, as well as NFL guys, respected the type of players that came from South Carolina State with like a Darius uh, Leonard uh, as well. And uh, you have to be able to say that's some power and some influence in what he's doing. So does he come out and is he, does he have an entourage? No, he doesn't. But when he speaks, it has some weight and some importance, especially now that he's the 2021 national champion of the HBCU footballs sure. teams, right? Sure. Uh, in terms of head coaches who are, I guess, uh, I, I guess it's levels to it is what I'm trying to say. Uh, right. Those 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 head coaches who can make the next step, what do they need to do in terms of uh, you have Damon Wilson now at a Morgan State or uh, programs that aren't as high profile, but uh, you know that they have great head coaches. Like what, what would be the criteria in terms of moving into the, the top five? Yeah, well, I kind of wrestled with Wilson mm. and Hugh Jackson. I'll be honest with you, man. Mm -hmm. I really had uh, him, Wilson, that. number four, mm -hmm. right? And then let me go to my, my spreadsheet here. So when I looked at Wilson, what brought him down wasn't the fact that he wasn't a winner and it wasn't a champion and he's a darn good head coach, right? Sure. It's mm -hmm. the fact that now 
he left Bowie and where he is in 2022, that fan base is not as great. That fan base is what really took him down. That influence around that area really took him down. He doesn't have any recruiting going on. I know he's tried to attract some of his old guys to from Bowie. So that transition is what dropped him, in my opinion. That's all. Sure. Because if if I take that the fan base and uh, the other influence, he's number four, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's how I look at it. Fascinating. Yeah, you know, your, fascinating. your data speaks one thing. I would have dropped Gabe Gardini. I know he's going to kill me off. <laughs> Dawson Odoms. I would have had Carnell Maynard. And I imagine there, um, as you talk about attendance, probably hurt him a little bit. And I would have had Reginald Ruffin in, in terms of nine. Those okay, only so, ones, everybody else, I, I'm in line so, with that. So number 11 was Trey Oliver, 12. Cornell Maynard, Eddie George, mm-hmm. 13, Eddie Robinson Jr., and Reginald Ruffin. Now, now, Sam Washington could have been up there as well. I, I was curious about Sam Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I got a lot of flag from Aggies. Thank you <laughs> for that <laughs> as a result. Uh, but I think Sam Washington, in due respect, could have been a lot higher. Uh, and I think I'm going to revise yeah. that a little bit later, but I, I do respect the program, but the program last year wasn't where it should have been or could have been, I should say that. Uh, so so when I talk about 2022, are people talking about what's happening with North Carolina a Do you hear that? Do you hear the rumblings? Do you see that? What's happening? Tell me if there's something I, I'm missing, I'm, I'm willing to hear so the million dollar question for North Carolina A&T is uh, do they fall on deaf ears just because they're not in front of the eyeballs of the HBCU family? You know, I saw a funny meme today, right? And they talked about the SWAC and MEAC and now looking at <laughs> North Carolina A&T and like, hey, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you left, <laughs> but uh, all due respect, the only, and, and Doc, you know this as well as I do, and Charles, you know it as well. Anything, when you start putting more W's up than L's, yeah. that really quiets the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And you see who's going to be on your side. And I think it may be a rebound season for them. You know, every team can't stay high all the time. You know, you're going to have those ebbs and flows of uh, your coaching, your players, your recruiting and everything else. So I think that's where they are at this time. I agree so much with that. And we see that with Tennessee State. And a lot of times at the beginning of the season, they can get all three and one, four and oh, some cases, maybe four and one. Um, They're top five. A lot of people talking about and then unfortunately get in conference play. And they lose a couple of games. And at best, they might hover around 500. Hopefully, it doesn't fall off with a couple of years. Uh, they're not as irrelevant. But if you go back long enough, the time where they were pushing top five, jumping all the way up to number one, nearly in the season, setting up for postseason play, the matchup with North Carolina A&T, they were the talk of HBCU sports right. at that time. Um, so I agree with you totally. A lot of it. It's not just going to be your disposition outside of it. You may not necessarily have the gravitas of HBCU matchups, even when one team or both teams are not winning, where you can still get into the history of the matchup and kind of make it something. That will be a little more challenging. Uh, but outside of that, if you're able to put up the Ws, then those matchups from week to week become important. And the yes. more that you're able to do that, the more important it becomes because now you start chasing a championship uh, in within the conference first for the most part, and you put yourself into a conversation for a national championship, whether that is the black college mythical championship or a bid into the playoffs where you may be chasing that playoff. So there are ways to get in that conversation, but it's going to uh, mean that you're going to have to get the W's. And I think that's the big question because you see that with Hampton. Hampton is in a position where – 
they've been outside of the conference longer than A&T a couple of years, right. less than Tennessee State. But we see them not getting the same type of accolades, and that's because they haven't win, haven't been winning and have won even less than A&T. So you see how quick they fall off the map when they're unable to do that, even with uh, big-time matchups of Howard and Hampton, you're talking about a little bit. But after that, if you're not winning uh, at a level, it's going to fall off. So great points there uh, in terms of that. Can I um, ask a question, Doc, sure. to you and Charles? When it comes to yeah. these days, uh, especially in 2022, uh, we have a great focus on marketing the program, right? Uh and a lot of people were asking me, why would you consider, let's say, uh, Willie Simmons or Eric Dooley or Hugh Jackson at this level right now? Because, well, Hugh Jackson has NFL experience. And I know he wasn't a great winner in the NFL, but he knows how to put a winner on the field. It's much more intricate and more complex to, to be an NFL coach than a college coach. So I had to raise, give him some kudos on, on that point right there. But my question to you guys is, how do you believe uh, these programs that are struggling right now? Let's say, all right, and, and TSU, let's say TSU. Do you believe that a, a better marketing effort can be done? And how do you turn that around? That's, that's a million-dollar question. Um, can a better marketing effort be done? Of course, always a better marketing effort can be done. But it ties into what we're talking about. Winning is sort of that cure-all uh, that gins up the fan base. And what I've noticed is uh, fan bases that are moribund, uh, it, 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 it's hard to turn uh, that pendulum in a, in a different direction via social media, uh, via uh, whatever things that you marketing efforts that you do, unless you start putting those W's up. I mean, they go hand in hand. And when you start getting the W's, it, it drives an interest. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, we it'll be interesting to see how fan bases react. Uh, uh, I always take a look at a, a fan base like Southern, very rabid, grandma, very rabid. Uh, but when they're winning and they're and then then you get the, the other component now the social media it drives the fan base it drives it to a fever pitch jackson state we're, we're watching that now i mean you don't want to get in an argument with jackson state fans right now on social media. i mean because i mean that that fan base there is a an engine if you will uh, with regards to the marketing with the social media and the w's it all goes hand in hand let's take yeah. this quick break and i'll give you my perspective on the way back i'm in agreement i'm gonna add a layer to that to charles thought process there but let's take this uh last break we'll be right back get into that and then we'll talk about how that looks uh when you broke down uh the dr cavill's inside the hbcu poll he gave us some love there a uh, great breakdown i will say in terms of that and i agree with some of the questions you have uh, i think that's the challenge with the top 10 this year so i'm open to that and it'll be fascinating week to week to kind of see how they turn but let's take this last break we'll come back on the other side and i'll answer that marketing perspective and hopefully people will appreciate a perspective i'll bring that i add even a different layer to what charles suggested which i agree with wholeheartedly as well it's 2002 empowerment resources inc a nonprofit organization has empowered more than 1500 youth and adults in duval and surrounding counties through its programs journey into womanhood girls mentoring life skills for teens and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From a national memorial for peace and justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love, love and who the ball, ball, ball. 
So listen to Professor Yesa and pay attention because he going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Deville with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Professor Bishop and Mr. Kyle T. Mosley of HBC Legend Sports Illustrated. When you wrote down that question, a um, couple of things play off, and I'll try to make this concise uh, because of the, where we are in time. But it's important to also look at the history of a program. And so there's different conditions when we talk about um, the Black Bloods I'll talk about it since it's HBCU using a different framework, but you know where I'm going with those, those deep-rooted programs that have had success over a long period of time, more than some other programs. Even though they have the down period, what you find out, their fan base may be suppressed, but not as much as programs that have been stagnant or on the losing end of things for a longer period of time. So it takes more to churn those fan bases and the things that we talk about in terms of the escalator. So in terms of Jackson State, Southern, uh, Gramlin to some degree, I still think they're not really on the same level in a lot of ways with Southern, Jackson State, and FAMU. They do have a greater history in terms of winning championships, but in terms of a fever fan base, if you really look at the numbers, uh, particularly even like at uh, State Fair Classic, Prairie View brings more to that game four to one. And I'm talking about tickets sold that people will get into an argument and have a fantasy of where that program is. But when you talk about that, it's a more of a challenge in regards to getting those fans up on that escalator into that fever pitch that Charles talked about. Um, and so there is a component of winning, but there's also a component of history associated with when you won and how regular you won over a period of time, which I think brings an additional level to what says there. So, Huge component when you talk about what does that look like for program, um, history, and attendance over a period of time. So I'll leave it there before we get too far in it. But I did want to get into um, the top 10 ranking. And you brought up some of the concerns there. When you start looking at a poll ranking in teams, I want to ask you this from this perspective, not so much on the poll ranking, but just to get your insight. When you start looking at where teams is similar to what you did for coaching, what are things that you like to look at from a writer as you prepare to do um, your segments in terms of uh, bringing up things that you people will have interest in reading? Oh, that's a good, good question, man. I try to, to say, am I being honest about everything I'm putting out here right now? Um, am I being biased? First and foremost, I, I want to be honest with the, the people and give them a true perspective how I see it. Everything's subjective, so it's it's my opinion. And I know it's a lot of writers' opinions how they rank certain guys. Um, second thing I look at is the consistency of that program and can that program can continue to be consistent. Right. Are they just a, you know, a flash program? They're, they're hitting it now. Uh, can we count on them next season? So when you have a preseason poll, you have to look at did they retain some of the uh, important key players? Do they have depth in certain areas as well? And, and this is what we do for the NFL all the time. Uh, you got to look mm. at depth. So it, let's say, and not I like that. trying to knock, uh, let's say, uh, JSU, right? So if Aubrey Miller gets injured, Charles, mm -hmm. what's going to happen? Who's behind? What's mm -hmm. the depth like, you know? Uh, so we know we lost James Houston. Who's going to be that playmaker other than Travis Hunter on the defensive side? So those are the things you need to start looking at when you look at these programs. So Grambling, I don't know much about those guys. I don't know much about Texas Southern. I don't know much about what's happening with the new regime at PV. We can only go about what we know that uh, Coach Dooley's walking into some talent at Southern right now. 
we do know that. And we know he's been hijacking people left and right, <laughs> recruiting left <laughs> and right. So, you know, I got to give him some props. Uh, so, and we know the consistency you, that you're going to have over at South Carolina State, even though Dakobe Durant is no longer there. So those are some of the things I was considering. And make no bones about this one thing. Alabama A&M, if they rebound, and still put a winning program out there, that's a testament to Cornell Mann. And losing the top player in black football with a quill glass, you know, that's going to be a significant hit. That's like losing your franchise player, right? So those are just some of the things I look at in considering who's going to be a preseason top this, a preseason low this. <laughs> so those are just some of the issues I, I kind of uh, bring to mind when I'm ranking. And I haven't come out with my rankings, so mine might be just jacked up as well. So, but we never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to come out. It'll be fascinating. And we'll have a chance to get it. And even with your coaches, we'll come back and determine, maybe do an update on that hottest coaches to see where people are, are they bulls up. Exactly. In regards to where they're doing at the time, maybe exactly. interesting to have the conversation. I did want to get in this Alabama State is at number nine with the new head coach and defensive program disarray after most assistant ditched the program and accepted offers from Oregon State. It's going to be interesting to see in terms of what goes on there. But I agree with that. I yeah. agree with that. And as I said, when you start looking at those bottom five, I think there are a lot of question marks there. So I'm fascinated to see what that looks like in terms of that uh, AT. Uh, by day road, a and was 12th in FCS attendance in 2001, higher than nine SWAC schools, uh, and all MEAC teams higher than TSU. Absolutely. But I think the question we were talking about in terms of momentum, what does your attendance affect in regards to your momentum? When a and people act like they want to forget this, when they were on a losing streak, they didn't have the same attendance they had as when they're on their win, winning streak. So there is a correlation between your fan base and the escalator with the marketing uh, document. This is not something that I made up. This is actually right. scientific right. frameworks for marketing at professional various sports. There is a correlation between teams that win and do not. So you can put up whatever you want. That is a factor. What we're saying is be interesting to see what A&T does in one year is not something that we're going to measure and look at. We talk about over a period of time. This is not mm -hmm. just junk science that we're putting out there. This is serious folks that look at the marketing metrics over a period of time, not just fandom in regards to our team is going to be great regardless of whatever we're going to be there. So I did want to point that out, that this is not about choking off A&T. It's about looking at the decision they made and how that may reflect based on several years in regards to what they will look like. If they win, it probably won't be much of a problem. Everybody follows a winner, and they've been winning. If they don't, there will be some concerns, and they're going to have to find out the ability to do some unique things to make sure that they don't uh, fall off too far. So I did want to kind of add that. Uh, as we come to a close, uh, I did want to just say thank you for your time, Kyle, uh, and really bringing your perspective. Uh, good to see you in the fold and being able to shine your light a little more uh, with the support that you have in terms of providing, uh, as you said, a different perspective yeah. uh, in terms of covering sports, particularly for HBCUs, but even more so as you did earlier uh, for the NFL and other sports, uh, whether it's NBA, uh, from that perspective. So great work, continue that work um, in terms of that. We will have you back again. I think the plan oh, is- I'm the, invited uh, back. To, Thank oh, you, Oh, yeah, yeah, you did your job. You survived. <laughs> So we're going to put you on the point. We're going to look at this list and see where you are ranking these coaches uh, in regards to the midpoint. We might even sneak in where I am at the poll because we'll do that weekly. And we'll see in this case where all these teams are, including A&T, about the midpoint point to see if they rise or fall based on where we projected. And we'll be able to take it in and say we were right or we were wrong. Uh, and we'll have a blast in doing it. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Villa, Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. I uh, hope you enjoyed our guest again, Kyle T. Mosley of HBCU Legends Sports Illustrated. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Villa's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. 
with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday at six o'clock. We'll be right back here with another guest. It looks like uh, we might go back on the uh, academic side a little bit and touch on some things and bring in a different perspective uh, with uh, another interview. We look forward to discussing the latest news in the lab as we continue to breathe with the HBC Sports. Again, follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, inside the HBC Sports Lab. Follow me on Twitter. We give you those updates and those metrics, the dialogue that goes on on Twitter. Folks go everywhere. I just try to provide updates with metrics and different things to see, different ways you can see it, not necessarily just to argue back and forth. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon, Charles. Of course. Mosley, at this point, you say lecture? Lecture? Dismiss. All right.